Hey guys, what's going on? This is Carlos, CEO of GAR Capital for another episode of the official GAR Capital podcast. My name is Carlos, CEO of GAR Capital. Welcome aboard again. Thank you so much for uh, joining me. Uh, I put this online uh, on Instagram today. Um, I asked the poll, I said, hey, should we do a podcast on the uh, Federal Reserve decision yesterday of cutting rates and what it means for your portfolio and trading and what have you? And Definitely was a lot of uh, a lot of yeses. Let's just say I think it was about ninety five percent yes, five percent no, or somewhere like that. So here we are, talking about a podcast uh, about the Federal Reserve cut, and uh, I guess the reason, real quick, guys, is I haven't done a podcast lately. Is that I really haven't had a subject to talk about. I mean, summer. I can't say the summer was quiet, but no real something to talk about. Um, so again, the summer was. I can't say a snooze, but again, nothing really to discuss in a deeper tone. Uh, today definitely was like a one-two punch of uh, last two days, excuse me, of just everything going on. Uh, I mean, uh, last two days were was is a, a, a trader's dream and an investor's nightmare to say the least. So, I mean, what a better way to come back to the podcast with a new episode to talk about what the hell has happened the last twenty-four hours, basically, um, and what's going to happen. So, uh, let's talk about it. So, first thing, let's do this chronologically. Uh, yesterday at 2 p.m., we had the Federal Reserve rate decision. So I'm going to talk about the rate decision first. And then today what happened was that uh, Donald Trump, the president, talked about hiking tariffs on China. So again, uh, you know, we've talked about this before, trying to trade war, right? right? And we're still nowhere near a deal. We're back to where we were. So uh, let's go ahead and break it down first. We're going to talk about the, uh, the Federal uh, Reserve rate cut. So as you know, we cut the... Um, Federal funds rate, which is the overnight borrowing for banks, 25 basis points. So that's where we are currently. Again, the market expected it to uh, 25 basis points. There was a hope that it was going to be 50. But again, a global slowdown. A lot of central banks are lowering their rates. ECB, Bank of Japan, uh, China, everyone else is doing it. I guess why not we do it, right? And of course, as you know, the president has been very pushy, to say the least, to the Federal Reserve and Fed Chair Powell to actually cut rates. But it wasn't enough for the president. He definitely wanted more. Uh, just wasn't enough for him. He wanted, but he wants at least a hundred. He says uh, that's not going to be a little destabilizing to do that. But again, uh, twenty-five basis point is what we got. So let's stick to the facts. Twenty-five basis points cut. The market kind of cheered it slightly. I mean, sell the news kind of event went down maybe five handles on uh, the S and P futures for the most part at SPX. But uh, other than that, two thirty came around, and that's when the the Powell press conference, and he does question and answers from CNBC, Bloomberg, New York Times, whatever. And he definitely looked uncomfortable. There a lot of fumbling, didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know what to say. He looked so uncomfortable out there. He's definitely in a no-win situation. If he does what the president says, he's definitely going to lose independence of the Fed. And if he doesn't get that, what he doesn't do what the president says, he's going to get more pressure on Twitter. He's going to get more pressure on the media. I have yet to see... A president, a United States president, talks so down about the Federal Reserve ever. Like, to someone to say it's his fault. He didn't do he he didn't do what I expected. He's holding us back. America's great, but it would be better because this guy. I I regret hiring him. I've thought about firing him. I mean, the rhetoric has been intense. I mean, there's obviously no love lost. Even Fed Chair Powell has testified between both houses of Congress, and he said that he's willing to serve out his term, that he hears the political headwinds. But again, it's a lot of pressure. 
you know, my personal opinion, if I were him, I would resign. He's in a no-win situation. It's a lose-lose. So, and, and it's a little tactful by the president to say, you know, it's the Fed's fault. So if we fall off a cliff, hey, hey, I told you he should have cut rates. We've been, you know, uh, cut, we've been hiking rates since I've been here. And, you know, President Obama always, always got zero rates. And that's not fair. And, you know, it gives him that sense of a cushion that if we do fall, which he's put himself on that pedestal of the reason the market's up is because I'm president. But if it falls, it's not my fault. It's the Fed. It's pretty brilliant, actually. So, again, he's already setting up the fall guy. But here's the question. If we have the greatest economy in the history of the republic, this is the president's words, not mine, to quote Guy Adami from Fast Money, why are we cutting rates? Why are we cutting rates? Unemployment, almost all-time lows. GDP is relatively okay. Consumer is very strong. The only economy part that we're slowing down is manufacturing so, and, and purchasing, the PMIs, Purchasing Manager Index. So if the whole economy is just manufacturing, we're doing pretty bad. If it's the consumer, which is 70% of the economy, the true, uh, the true actual barometer of GDP, then we're actually doing okay. And if you really wanna be looking at it from this angle, we should actually have a rate hike, if anything. But here's the thing what the Fed's looking at. They're looking at inflation data. Inflation is purchasing power of the dollar, you know, are, are, you know, is the money going fast enough in a sense? Um, but again, prices are going down. For example, you could look at the oil market. But the oil market really doesn't have anything to do with inflation. It's more of that we have fracking and we have more supply. Now the United States is a more of a global exporter than just an importer of oil. So you can look at that. The dollar is very strong. We're the strongest in the, in the world. Uh, we're still the reserve currency. The president doesn't like a strong dollar. Multinational companies like a Procter & Gamble, Coca-Cola, PepsiCo, do not want a stronger dollar because that hurts their profits. So a weaker dollar does help. So again, you have the two sides of the coin here. Do you stick to the data dependency saying, hey, the economy's great. We've been told that already. You know, GDP is, is, is going. We're not getting 4%, but it's still going. Unemployment is very low. Wages are rising, but yet in, uh, inflation is very timid. But on the other side, you have global uncertainties. You know, global growth is slowing. Negative interest rates across the world. Literally in Switzerland, 50-year bonds are trading at a negative yield, meaning you have to pay. You have to pay to save with Germany in a 10-year bond, Japan with a 10-year bond, uh, with Switzerland to 50-year bonds. It's insane. Greek 10-year bonds are paying less in yield than the U.S. 10-year. Now, keep in mind the U.S. 10-year today, this is as of today, August 1st, 2019, is now 1.96%. I think we tapped about 1.95%, which is the lowest since before the election. This is 2016, mind you, November. So this is about four years ago, almost four years, that the 10-year has definitely just fell off a cliff. We were about 3.2. Now we're at 1.96. The bond market really tells you a lot. It's almost like we're pricing in a recession, but we're nowhere near that. So keep in mind, guys, also the definition of a recession is two consecutive quarters of declining GDP two consecutive quarters. We have not had red declining GDP since 2009. Keep that in mind. Well, I think we had 2011, we had one quarter. But other than that, it's been consistently growing. Granted, not very fast, not very high as much as people are expecting, 4%. But if you know, if we ask people on the street, you know, take your Wall Street hat off for a second. Walk people down the street, do they feel confident about, not the market, because they don't know, but consumer, do you feel like, would you take a vacation? 
would you spend on a high, you know, a high price good a refrigerator, uh, a laundromat, uh, washer and dryer, some, a car? Would you feel pretty strong about? Or maybe buying a home. New home sales are still relatively okay. Um, interest rates, borrowing costs are low. People are still borrowing money. So there's still some confidence. Consumer confidence, which we get every month from the University of Michigan, you, uh, consumer sentiment is still relatively high. So I don't see where the bond market is seeing. They're pricing in just almost a recession, yet we're still doing pretty well. The president has said it himself that the, the economy is doing great. But why have the low rate? Again, he wants to push the envelope and get more. Now, let's look at the world as a va- in a vacuum in a sense. Let's look at China. Let's look at the European Union. Let's look at Japan. Let's look at those three large economies. Canada, don't, don't worry about. Mexico, we're not going to worry about. The European Union, because it's so many countries. Uh, Russia, I'm not going to worry about. But China and Japan, those are the big three I want to look at. They're all lowering rates across the board. They're very what we call dovish. So again, they want to sp- uh, spur economic activity by making it cheaper to borrow. So it really hurts savers, but again, it helps borrowers, it helps spur development. So if you're a CEO of a company and you want to expand and hire workers, you can borrow very cheaply because you're trying to expand. Now, does that add more debt to your bottom line? Sure. But again, you're going to make more on that investment. Again, that's the thought process anyways. So in a sense, the United States dollar, because we are not that dovish, due to the Fed and due to us being the reserve currency and us being the best economy in the world, that's a fact. It's almost like we're the skinniest kid in fat camp. We're still fat, it's just just skinnier than everyone else. So it it doesn't look good in a sense. It's it's almost a bubble-esque in regards to debt. It's the debt outstanding. I think the number is around, I think about $20 trillion in negative interest rate paper floating in the world. That's incredible. That's very incredible. So... You know, those are the facts that's going on here. So we know that's what happened. And the second part is, which you can, people are not really talking about, the Fed has actually ended quantitative tightening. Meaning, in 2008, during the financial crisis, the, the Federal Reserve bought back a lot of toxic assets. They bought back all those mortgage-backed securities that the banks couldn't do. That was part of the bailout. And the second part is, they started buying back U.S. Treasuries. And they held it on their balance sheet to spur economic growth. Fine. Well, it's been 11 years since the economic crisis, or 10 years, 2009. They have to wind down those assets. The Federal Reserve cannot hold that forever. But they can't flood the market with new bonds either because it will dilute everything else out there and then really cause, a, a not to say a panic, but almost a, a run at bonds. So, again, you can't flood supply because then the bond, bonds will drop, yields will soar. So, again, you have to be very careful. So, that's what quantitative tightening is. What we did was quantitative easing in 2009. Keep that in mind. So now we stopped quantitative tightening, which is almost like a part two of the rate cut. A lot of, a lot of people are not talking about that. So again, it's in a sense, if you really want to talk about that, we really got a 50 basis point cut. So here's the real key thing that I took this away from uh, Fed Chair Powell. He was talking about the thing that made the markets fall, by the way, is when he said that this is not exactly a rate, a beginning of a rate cut cycle. He said that we're mid-cycle. Spook the markets, algos went crazy. Meaning that we may just be a one and done. One cut, wash your hands. It was an insurance cut, we're good. We undone December, which I thought was gonna happen anyways. So December, I thought was a good idea for a hike. And I think we should still hike. But again, everyone wants to cut. Keep this in mind also. The stock market is not the US economy. It's just a barometer really of confidence in companies and prices. 
So the Dow could be 27, 30,000, 50,000, but if you're unemployed, your economy's crap. So it doesn't matter what Apple's priced at. If you don't have a job and you don't have savings, it's pointless. Again, many people are very underinvested in the economy. It's, the stock market is not everybody. The regular middle class individual who has a house, a uh, home, two kids, a dog, and a picket fence, and two cars, you know, yeah, they'll have a 401k, but market movement really doesn't do much to them. So again, you're talking about a very small minority of individuals, institutions, uh, banks, traders like you that are listening to this, investors like you, yes, we do care about the market, but most people don't, and they don't have that. So just understand that. You don't wanna to be too elitist here either. So again, quantitative uh, tightening is ending. Two months early, like they were saying, it was gonna be ending in October, we ended it now in August. Well, July 31st, fine. So that's kind of another 25 basis point cut, plus the 25 basis point we got now. So for some reason, Fed Powell, Fed Chair Powell backed away and said, no, no, I didn't say we're not gonna have any more cuts. The damage was done. It, it, in a sense, we heard a hawkish cut, meaning he's hawkish, but still catered to the cut that the president wanted, but not really. So it was a lose-lose situation, like we said. He cut, the president was still unimpressed and not happy, and the market was still unhappy. So again, he definitely was bad. And I don't think it was bad by policy, it's just the way he spoke about it, the way he really uh, accentuated it. It didn't sound good, it didn't sound confident. It sounded like, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm trying my best. So two of the Fed presidents in the FOMC dissented and said, we should not raise, we should not cut. So keep that in mind. As of today, I was looking at the Fed futures after what the meltdown that we have, meltdown, quote unquote, meltdown today, and we'll go over that in a second. We're actually priced in for September. There is no Fed meeting in August. 90% chance that we're gonna get another cut in September. So keep that in mind. So we'll probably get the 50 total in two months, which is pretty wild. So keep that in mind. So again, more is coming. More is coming because the world is cutting. Keep in mind, guys, one more time, we are 11 years into recovery, maybe 10 to 11 years now of recovery, and we're still cutting rates. It's not even a sense of economics anymore, guys. It's an addiction to cheap money. Keep the markets going forever. Again, we're delaying the inevitable, we're kicking the can down the road. And the one thing that Jay Powell said was that the headwinds of trade wars, this trade war with China, has created uncertainty. What does the president do today? Second part of this, of this podcast. Donald Trump, the president, didn't get what he wanted. He said that the Chinese uh, trade negotiations were going slow. He said he's going to slap on another 10% of, uh, of tariffs on top of what was going to happen now. So I'm going to give you the total right now. I'm looking at my Twitter, the exact total. Trump says he will impose an additional 10% tariff on the remaining $300 billion of Chinese imports to U.S. starting September 1st, which is a month from now. That's one part. The second part is that he even said in the, in the Rose Garden, in the White House lawn, that he will even go higher than that. So he's just really digging his heels that he'll get a rake coat. He'll get what he wants one way or another. He'll cut his nose to spite his face and he doesn't care. And he'll go against China head on. I mean, you almost have to give the man credit. Everything he said, everything he said he was gonna do, he's done. So again, this was voted on. This is what he Wanted, he said this in the debates, he said this in the general election, that he wants to go against China. You got what you wanted. There's a saying out there, you broke it, you bought it. And guess who saw this firsthand? The Brexit voters. 
I'm not saying it's a bad idea to, to, to impose tariffs on China. Yes, they're not playing by the rules. Uh, intellectual property, uh, you know, all that, go- all that stuff going on. I agree. I understand China's not playing by the rules. But this kind of push of tariffs, I, I mean, when does it end? I mean, it's almost like we don't want to negotiate anymore. We just want everything our way. Not to sound an American, but again, you're looking at negotiation side. What are we going to give in order to get back? What exactly are we looking for here? So that's something to, to really think about. So again, the market today, Donald Trump talked about that. He said he was going to increase the tariffs. This is earlier today. And the market's absolutely tanked, tanked. When he, repeat, when he said that four hours ago, I believe this was around one o'clock, the market's absolutely tanked. We were actually bouncing up. We actually recovered the fall from the Powell press conference around one o'clock today. We were trading with me and my team. And then we actually sank. It, it was so fast. Keep in mind, stocks take the escalator up and the elevator down like that. So again, all that had happened. I mean, Twitter fingers came out firing. He said, I'm going to do this and I don't care. And he even said it. I don't care if the Dow's going to fall. In a sense, he said, it doesn't concern me. And stocks definitely took a hit. And that's where we are right now. So he's going to get his Fed cut one way or another. He doesn't care. And we're waiting to see if China will retaliate tonight. Uh, around, let's see when futures will, futures are about to open here in about 10 minutes, about 5.50 Eastern Standard Time in the PM. Let's see how futures react. Let's see if China retaliates. Maybe they add their own tariffs and it's just going to be a back and forth. I mean, we're nowhere near close to a deal, guys. A deal in 2019 is probably not going to happen. Even the president has said maybe they're waiting to see if he gets beaten in the general election in 2020. And he said if he wins re-election, he, they better make a deal beforehand because guess what? It's over. He's going to definitely not play ball. Um, so, yeah, he didn't even warn the Chinese on the tariffs. Uh, he, Mnuchin said that he should be warned, and he said, no, this is what I'm going to do. And he's his own man. He's going to figure out what he wants to do. So that's where the markets came. So now you know the back end. Now you know exactly what would happen and why it happens. Here's the question. What do you do? Very good question. If you are a long-term investor today, you definitely have a sale going on. There's a lot of great companies that are falling that really have no exposure to China. But again, it's a system-wide sell. So again, a couple of names out there you definitely could get into that had amazing quarters that have nothing to do with China. Google has nothing to do with China. Amazing quarter. Apple, we know, has a lot to do with China, but even their, their Apple sales has went up, their tariffs, you can hold that. That's fine. Amazon has nothing to do with China. You can get into that. Uh, the next thing you could look at, too, is the consumer staples. The McDonald's pays a dividend, knockout quarter, near all-time highs. Starbucks, consumer staple, or you could say discretionary if you want, but I think everyone who needs their coffee was green in a red market today. You can look at a PepsiCo, great dividend, consumer staple, again, pushing to the upside. Procter & Gamble, great quarter, push it to the upside. Again, green in a red market. Even international sales, even with Gillette going down, Procter & Gamble is crushing it. The only thing I don't like about Procter & Gamble is their high uh, sales multiple. But again, it looks like a flight to safety. Everyone's going for it. A next one, Verizon. I hold Verizon. Great dividend. Excellent quarter. Has nothing to do with China. It's a 5G play. You can get into that. The next things I would say is the Cloud Kings. CRM, which is uh, Salesforce.com. Adobe. Microsoft. Microsoft has zero to do with China. It's all cloud. Like I said, Amazon. Those are the guys you want to stick to. These are discounted plays that you can think of long-term if you're an investor. The couple of industries I would look at, of course, you want to look at the consumer staples, like I just said, 
I would definitely look at this utilities slash dividend plays. And then it pays a high dividend. Real estate investment trusts pay a high dividend, especially in a low rate environment. You want to get into those to, to park some cash. I'm, I'm okay with it. But again, anything industrials, I would stay away. I would stay away from materials that's done in China. Uh, definitely look into some gold. Gold would be very, very good, especially with lowering rates. Uh, you can look at GLD. You can own some actual physical gold coins. Or you can look at the gold miners GDX. You can look at the utilities, like I talked about, XLU. Those are great. Nothing to do with China. They pay a good dividend. You want to get cash on your return. Uh, big cap tech, I still like. Again, I still like Amazon. I still like Microsoft. Apple, you could be wary of. Facebook is just headline risk. Nothing to do with China. But again, you can look at those names. Again, that the Facebook uh, profit margin is absolutely insane. Those They make money. Again, you want to look at companies that consistently look at those reports. They have nothing to do with China, yet they're taking a beating. So it's a fire. It's an, it's almost like a sale, Black Friday sale that you can take a look at. Um, those are the names I like. Again, like McDonald's, PepsiCo, Coca-Cola, those names, uh, the Cloud Kings, all those guys. Um, they're all worth it. And another one too, just to keep your heads up. Everything that keeps going down in a sense, in regards to the dollar, in regards to bonds, risk off asset. I'm just going to say one time today, and it's been an absolutely red day. Bitcoin is up. Keep that in mind. Bitcoin features are up. It's going to come to the point that Bitcoin will be a safe haven where the dollar goes down or the dollar actually gets too strong and uh, bond yields fall too much and a lot of cheap money goes around. Bitcoin is going to be worth a lot more. So again, I'm not saying put everything into it, but again, if you have some in your portfolio, that'd be very smart. So again, let's recap. Real estate, utilities, definitely still like big cap tech due to their the valuations can be a little scary. I can understand that you're paying a little extra, but again, you're getting consistent growth. You're seeing tons of cash. Google has more cash now than Apple. Microsoft, an excellent quarter. They just keep going up. Even today, they fell in a red market. Yes, but they keep going up. McDonald's, PepsiCo, Procter, those guys, the staples, that even as a recession happens, you're still going to buy the things that you got to buy. You're still going to eat cheeseburgers. You're still going to have coffee. You're still going to buy Tide, and you're still going to buy that stuff. Uh, the only staple that's been taking a hit due to sales have been absolutely tanking is Clorox, uh, the cloud companies. I still love Adobe. I still love Salesforce.com. I still love Amazon and I still love Microsoft. Those are the cloud kings. Oracle is okay too, but I think that the growth is a little slowing. IBM I would stay away from, but those are the guys you want to stay on top of. Real Estate Investment Trust, I've talked about it. I still like Fundrise. I'm invested in Fundrise. They're a real estate uh, investment trust. Take a look at them. But there's other REITs out there you could do your uh, homework on. And dividend plays, guys. If you want to keep it simple, you could take a look at uh, SPYD. SPYD is the S&P Dividend uh, Fund. It's commission-free ETF, very low fees. You could take a look at the XLU, which is the utilities ETF. Get yourself, some, get yourself a, a, a dividend back. Uh, again, you're not going to make tons of cash. Uh, and tons of return, but again, you're going to get cash back and there are trading near all-time highs, but I think at the end of the day, with this kind of rate environment, especially with central banks keep printing and keep lowering rates and negative interest rates, you want to have dividend paying companies with great balance sheets and still, in a sense, if you want to play some defense here, again, you want to get more cash yields, an AT&T, a Verizon, Procter, a Cisco, those guys, the dividend kings, you definitely want on your side so they can pay you. Now you have one or two options. You can either take the cash out yourself, you get the checks every quarter, uh, or you can actually uh, reinvest it in shares. That's how I do with mine. I reinvest every dividend I get. So 
that's how the game plan that I would use going forward if I were you. If you are trading this market, again, very simple. SPY or Qs and options market are the ways I would go. I would not trade VIX. VIX can be very, very uh, scary. But if you want to buy some cheap insurance, you could buy some VIX calls, maybe some 20 to 25s, depending on volume. That's a way to protect your portfolio. Um, any kind of overheating industries, SMH, which is the semiconductor index, has been on fire the last couple months. You could probably fade those ahead of China. So again, those would be the first to fall. And I've said it before, also small caps. So again, I would look at IWM and SMH maybe to the downside as you know more China China trade war rhetoric comes around. But um, anything China related, Boeing, Baba, Apple, and Caterpillar would be my four to watch as they fall with any kind of Baba news. We actually had some Baba puts that absolutely crushed it. We saw some unusual options activity in it. Uh, I believe it was uh, this week we saw them and we tapped them and we got them. It was absolutely amazing that the options market can actually tell you ahead of time what the hell is going to happen. Doesn't happen every time, but definitely gives you a little bit of a hint of what's to come. So again, no fear here. Again, we've bounced back before. You really can't bet against this market, but if you're looking for short term, um, some a little game plan, that's the way to do it. But again, if you're a day trader, uh, options markets, good old SPY and QQQ, big cap names are the way to play for intraday moves. Make sure you have your, your risk management set and your analysis on point. Um, as always, I appreciate you listening to this podcast. I'm sorry it took so much time in between, but again, we wanted to find uh, some uh, an actual subject to talk about. So we went over exactly what happened with the Fed, uh, Powell and the uh, box that he's in, the president increasing tariffs and what it means and what's going to happen and how to play it. So I really hope you enjoyed this podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. My name is Carlos Garcia, founder and CEO of GA Air Capital. If you are interested in any of our services, please feel free to hit us up, garcapitalfx.com. Uh, you can hit us up on the form there, and we're more than happy to help you guys. Thank you so much for following us and being a fan. We wouldn't be here without you. Thank you again, and enjoy the rest of your day, guys.